I do want to say a huge thank you to Pastor Herbert for giving me this opportunity, even though I am a big Nebraska Cornhusker fan. Come on, I am a Cornhusker in OU territory, so it's not always easy. But man, I still, still love my Cornhuskers. I was born and raised in Nebraska. In fact, Pastor Herbert's wife, Tiffany, has family in Nebraska. And my very first youth pastor position was for her father, And I remember him talking about People's Church, telling me about all the wonderful and amazing things you were doing in Oklahoma City. And I never could have dreamed that I would someday be part of this amazing church. So just to be here, just to be part of People's Church really is a dream come true. It's a dream come true. And today we're going to be talking about just that, dreams. And we're continuing our Plan B series. And today I want to talk to you about the power of a dead dream. The power of a dead dream. In life, how many of you know sometimes the plans, the expectations, the dreams we have don't always go according to plan, right? When I was in college, I had a dream of leading my basketball team to a national championship. Now, I know what you're thinking because some of you are looking at me right now thinking, there is no way this five-foot-nothing little white boy played college basketball. But hey, basketball, this, this was my game. I loved basketball. And really, I didn't know I was going to be this short. <laughs> if I knew I was going to be this short, I would have taken up ping pong back when I was young, you know? And also, if you could please pray for my future children. My wife is five foot one. Those kids have no chance. We are a vertically challenged family. But hey, I'm short. I know it, but I worked hard. I worked hard. In my senior year, it was my year to shine. I was one of the top scorers in the entire nation my senior year. Newspapers were interviewing me. Opposing coaches were coming up to me after almost every single game, telling me how great of a player I was. And I thought, this is it. This is my year to shine. My, my dream is finally going to become a reality. And then, in the middle of a game, I'm dribbling down the court, doing what point guards do, and I'm dribbling, and I'm dribbling. All of a sudden, somebody comes and knocks me to the ground. And as they knock me to the ground, my shoulder pops completely out of socket. It was horrible. It was the worst pain of my entire life. And it was completely out of socket. And I still remember very vividly as they came and they put me on like this gurney and they wheeled me out of the gym. And they put my arm in this brace and it stuck, stuck my arm straight out to the side. I couldn't move my arm. I was strapped in. And I want you to picture this with me because I'm going down this hallway, strapped in, my arm straight out to the side. And I look up and in front of me, I see something that haunts me to this very day. A narrow doorway. <laughs> this narrow doorway is coming at me. Now, I think you'd think that these trained professionals, they would notice. My arm is sticking straight out to the side. They did not notice. And they're wheeling me down the hall, and I see it coming. And I'm even saying, door, door. There's a door coming. And they run my dislocated shoulder directly into that door. And I'm crying, and I'm screaming. And I just couldn't believe that they just ran my, my arm right into the door. Like, come on. Man, it just... It made a Christian want to punch somebody is what it did. I was ready to drop the wrath of God in that moment. You know what I'm talking about. It was horrible. But the pain was more than just a physical pain. Because this was a dream that I dedicated over 20 years of my life towards. This was a dream that I thought about and worked for almost every single day of my life. And just about the time I thought it all might work out, my dream ends up just as broken as my busted up shoulder. 
I still remember the pain, the heartache, the sleepless nights, the tears. You know what? We can all relate to these moments. These moments in life where things don't quite go according to plan. Maybe you're here, maybe you've prayed, and you've prayed to get that amazing job, and you did, you got that amazing job, and then a couple years later, you got fired. Or maybe you're here, and you've prayed and prayed to meet that dream guy or that dream girl, and finally you meet somebody, and you think, this is it, this is the one, and then they dump you a few months later. Some of you, you're here, you've prayed, and you've prayed to get pregnant, and you know what you did? You got pregnant, but a miscarriage came shortly after. Others of you, you're here, and you married the person of your dream, but somewhere along the way, something happened, and instead of standing beside them in love, you find yourself standing across from them in court, battling in divorce. See, we can all relate to these moments in life when our greatest dreams turn into our worst nightmares. And in these moments of shattered dreams, what now? What do we do now? How do we respond when our dream looks more like a nightmare and we're forced to turn to plan B? Well, that's the question that we want to tackle today because I want you to know your response matters. Your response matters more than you could ever even imagine. And I want you to remember this. Your circumstances may affect you, but your response defines you. Your circumstances, they may affect you, but your response defines you. It matters. And to see why your response matters so much, we're going to look at a story in uh, John chapter 11 of a man named Lazarus. Lazarus is deathly sick. Deathly sick. And Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they love their brother, so they have a plan. We can call this plan A. Their plan is to send for Jesus. Jesus will come. He'll heal our brother. Everything will be okay. So they put their plan into action. They send a messenger to Jesus. And he gets to Jesus, tells Jesus what's going on, and here's how Jesus responds. He says this, This sickness will not lead to death, but it's meant to glorify the Son of God. And then you know what Jesus does? Nothing. He doesn't do anything. He stays where he's at two more days. In fact, by the time that messenger returns back to Mary and Martha, it was already too late. Lazarus had died. The hopes and dreams they had of Jesus coming and saving him were shattered. And these girls, they literally had to watch their dream die right in front of their eyes. So Mary and Martha, they are smack dab in the middle of this dead dream. And today what I want you to see, I want you to see how they respond. Because remember, it's our response that defines us. So today we're going to be looking at three ways to respond to a shattered dream. Three ways to respond to a shattered dream. Number one, the first way to respond to a shattered dream is this. Go to God even when he doesn't answer the way we expect him to. Go to God even when he doesn't answer the way we expect him to. Verse 17 says this. It says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. He had been dead for four days. And when Jesus didn't show up, I'm sure they were all left wondering... Why, God? Why me? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you help us out? Didn't you get my message? God, you said that this wouldn't end in death, but Lord, where have you been? Where were you? A while ago, I was watching an NBA game on TV, and it was a really close game, 
just a couple minutes left. Just a couple minutes left in this game. And all of a sudden, this box pops up in my TV and it says, the channel is about to change for recording. Would you like to continue or cancel? So I grab the remote and I start pushing cancel. Cancel. Come on, cancel. And I'm trying everything I can. And how many of you know nothing is more infuriating in the entire world than when this remote control doesn't work? Am I right? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. It's horrible. And so here's what I've noticed. I've noticed we have a few tricks to try to get this thing working the way we think it should. And it almost always starts by hitting it. Come on. Come on. Come on. And when that doesn't work, the next thing we try, push down harder. Like this thing is pressure sensitive. Come on, work. And I'm trying to cancel this thing and it won't work. And we'll shake it around and we'll try different angles. You know, we get the side shot going on. Come on. How many of you do the side shot out there? You know what I'm talking about. Come on. We're doing all different angles. We try to get this thing to work. <laughs> and I think it's funny because when somebody else has the remote and it stops working, give it to me. Come on here. Everybody knows the man of the house is supposed to run that anyways. Here. Come on. I'm just playing. Ladies, I don't really think that. <laughs> Guys, never use that as an excuse to get this remote, okay? Trust me, it's not good. <laughs> Don't go there. But here I am, I'm in this moment of panic. This moment of panic, I'm trying all I can to get this thing to cancel so I can watch the end of my game when all of a sudden the channel changes and I hear, tonight on The Bachelor. And I'm like, no! Why? Why? But it's so frustrating because this is something that we expect to behave. A certain way yet it doesn't and you know what I've noticed I've noticed many times in life when God doesn't respond the way we want him to or we expect him to we get the exact same way we get frustrated and we think come on God where are you God I need you where have you been Lord I'm praying down here don't you see me God, what more can I do? I really need your help. God, don't you see what I'm facing? Don't you see what I'm going through? Lord, where are you at? If you would just come or show up when I needed you or asked you to come, everything would be okay. And this is exactly where Mary and Martha find themselves. Right in this moment. And the truth is, we've all been there, staring at our ceiling, wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? Because the reality is, is that when things don't work out, we automatically jump to this conclusion that God has somehow abandoned us. That he's forgotten about us. But the truth all throughout the scripture, the truth all throughout God's word is this. Check this out. God is most powerfully active even when he seems to be most apparently absent. God is most powerfully active even when he seems to be most apparently absent absent. So here's the key. Here's what I want you to remember. Don't let his assumed absence keep you from pursuing his powerful presence. Don't let his assumed absence keep you from pursuing his powerful presence. Keep going to God. Because I know there are going to be times in life where you feel like he's abandoned you. I've been there. You've been there. Mary and Martha, they are there right now. And here's how they respond. I want you to see how they respond in verse 20. It says this, when Martha got word Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. So here we go. We got two sisters, two responses. Both just had this dream shatter right in front of them. One still goes to God. The other one doesn't. She stays in the house, stayed where she was. Can I quickly share 
how not to respond to a shattered dream. Don't distance yourself from God. See, Mary, Jesus showed up, and Mary, she could have went to him, but she didn't. She probably thought, what can Jesus do now anyway? So she stayed in the house. She stayed where she was. She distanced herself from him. And when our greatest dreams become our worst nightmares, one of our greatest temptations will be to distance ourselves from God, to stop going to church, stop reading our Bible, stop praying, stop serving, stop going to our community group. I remember when my shoulder popped out of socket. I was angry at God. I thought, God, how could you do this at the best point of my entire career? And I was angry, and so I distanced myself from him. I stopped going to church. Uh, I slept in on Sundays. I didn't acknowledge God in any part of my daily life. And you know what my problem was? My problem was that my dream had become my God. My dream had become my God. See, when it came between spending time with God or spending time playing basketball, I chose to spend my time playing basketball. When it came between becoming a better Christian or becoming a better basketball player, I chose to become a better basketball player. When it came between waking up and going to church or waking up and going to the gym, I chose to go to the gym. So can I just caution you today? Don't ever let your dream come between you and God. Because no matter how great your dream is, it makes a really lousy God. That dream, it might be world-changing. That idea you have, it, it may impact thousands. But if you have to sacrifice your relationship with God for it, it's not worth it. It's not worth it because nothing is more important than your relationship with God, not even your greatest dream. So keep going to God. Keep going to God. Because even when it feels like he's not there and he's forgotten about you and abandoned you, here is the truth. He wants to see you. He wants you to come to him. I want you to see this. Uh, Martha, she goes to Jesus, but then she ends up coming back to the house and she says this to her sister Mary, who, who had distanced herself from God. She says this in verse 28 and 29. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. He wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. He wants to see you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to seek him. You may think that he's not there, but he is. Go to him. He's working in a very powerful way. Go to him. He's not forgotten about you. He's not given up on you. Go to him. He is still there. You may have distanced yourself from him in the past, but guess what? He still wants to see you. Go to him. Your response, it matters. Your circumstances, they may affect you, but your response defines you. So don't let his assumed absence keep you from pursuing his powerful presence. Go to God. Go to God. Number two, the second way to respond to a dead dream is this. Focus on the present. Focus on the present. Both sisters, they go to Jesus finally, but they have separate encounters with Jesus. But even though they have separate encounters, they say word for word the exact same thing when they go to him. And it's word for word the exact same thing in verse 21 and verse 32. And they both say this, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only you would have been here, Lord. If only. What a depressing phrase, if only. You know what, Mary and Martha, in this moment, they were stuck on what could have been. But many of us, 
like Mary and Martha, we're haunted. We're haunted by this idea that God could have done something, but he didn't. And we think in our mind, God, you could have saved my marriage. God, you could have kept me from bankruptcy. God, you could have brought my boyfriend back. God, you could have kept me from getting fired. God, you could have stepped in and done something miraculous. But you didn't. Lord, if only you had been here. If only you had been here. And in this moment, I want you to see what Jesus does. Because Jesus redirects Martha's focus to the present. And he looks at Martha and he says, Martha, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And Martha, she's still having a really hard time focusing on the present. And so now what she does, she jumps to the future. <laughs> she jumps to the future. And here's what Martha, she says, yes, Lord, I know someday at the end of the age when everybody rises. Do you see what she did? Now it's not, if only you had been here. But now, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday. And this is what we do, isn't it? We have a really hard time focusing on the present. And so we look to the past and we say, if only I did things different. And then we look to the future and so we say, maybe someday. Maybe someday things will get better. Maybe someday my marriage can be restored. Maybe someday my kids will come back to Christ. Maybe someday this pain will go away and things will get better. Maybe someday. And again, a second time, Jesus redirects her focus to the present. And in this unbelievable moment where Martha is looking to the future saying, yes, Lord, maybe someday in the future resurrection, Jesus looks at her and says this word, this phrase that changes everything. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Notice it was present tense. He didn't say I was the resurrection or I will be the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha, she was so caught up on the future, dreaming about the future, hoping for the future. And Jesus is like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait a second, Martha. Focus on the present because I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here now and I am the hope for your most hopeless situation. You know what? I've seen your pain. Martha, I know the pain you're going through. I've seen your struggle, your heartache. And guess what? I'm here and I care and I am your hope in this hopeless situation. Focus on the present. And I believe today God is telling us that exact same thing. You know what? I've seen you. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the hope for your hopeless situation. Focus on the present. What can you do today to help make your business better? What do you need to say tonight to your spouse when it's just the two of you? Maybe this week you can finally start writing that book you've been dreaming of. Or you can determine that if counseling is what it takes for me to get through this, then I'm going to go. Focus on the present. Focus on the present. Because our circumstances, they may affect us, but our response defines us. Um, I, I have friends with a family in Nebraska. And th this family is pastors in Nebraska. And this pastor, ha they have a daughter who is about my age. But when she was in high school, she died in a very tragic accident. It was big news. It spread all across the state. Uh, it was a big deal. And the, the funeral was just a couple days later. It was packed. Oh, it was packed out. It was a huge funeral. This family was facing the biggest shattered dream of their entire life. But how they respond in this moment caught the attention of everybody. See, as the funeral was beginning, music was playing. 
But it wasn't music you would expect to hear at a funeral. It was fast. It was upbeat. It was joyful. It was a praise song. And it just seemed so completely out of place at this sad funeral. And I remember looking around and everyone's looking around like, what is going on with this music? And then up at the very front row, you see her father. And her father is standing on his feet with his arms stretched up in the air and his heads towards heaven. And he is praising God. He is worshiping God. And he's singing along to this fast song that says, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. Man, what a moment. What a moment. Right in the middle of his greatest shattered dream, he was praising God. See, he understood right there. He understood that in that moment, his response mattered. It wasn't about looking to the past and saying, oh, if only I'd done things different or if only I didn't let her go. It wasn't about looking to the future and saying, you know what, maybe someday I'll find peace again. It was about praising God in the middle of his shattered dreams. Focus on the present. Focus on the present. If you're facing a broken dream today, I want to remind you of the same thing. Focus on the present. What can you do now to help make things better? Focus on the present. Because even though your circumstances, they may affect you, it's your response that defines you. Number three, the third way to respond to a broken dream is this. Believe in who he is, not just what he can do. Believe in who he is, not just what he can do. So Jesus just had this encounter with Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he continues and says this. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying but everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die do you believe this martha do you believe this and here's how she responds because she responds way different than i would have responded she says this yes lord i have always believed you are the messiah the son of god the one who has come into the world from god and the first time i read this i thought martha are you crazy you did not answer his question he didn't ask you, who am I? I'm sure Jesus knows who he is. He did not ask you, who am I? He asked you, do you believe this? And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, why in the world would she answer this way? And then I realized what Martha is saying here. She's saying, God, I believe in who you are, not just in what you can do. She's saying, Jesus, see, I believe you can perform a resurrection if that's what you want to do. But what's even greater than that is I believe you are the resurrection and the life like you said you were. See, she understood this important truth. The resurrection, it's not an event. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection and the life is Jesus Christ. And Martha, in this moment... She was faced with the same decision that each one of us will be forced to make in the middle of our shattered dream. Are we going to put our faith in God's identity or in his activity? In who he is or in what he can do for us? Do we have any dog people in the house? Any dog people? Maybe you have a dog at home, dog lovers. Oh, yeah, all right. What about big dogs? We got anybody with big dogs, the scary dogs that make you want to run really fast when you, any of the big dogs? Oh, what about the tiny dogs? Little tiny dogs, like those little things that just can't stop licking people. I know what you're talking about. I got one too. I have this tiny little dog named Braun. And I did name him after my favorite NBA player, LeBron James. I know. First, I'm from Nebraska. Now I like LeBron. Oh, my goodness. 
Lord, help me today. <laughs> but I got this tiny little dog named Bronnie. He's like the coolest little tiny furball with ADD that you have ever seen. He's awesome. <laughs> His little tiny legs are about this big. And he's already got some issues because he's a male purse dog. <laughs> Something about being a male purse dog just doesn't even sound right to me. A male purse dog? What? But that's my dog, his brawn. I still remember the first time he jumped up onto our couch. Me and my wife celebrated like we had just won the Super Bowl. Did you see that? That was, oh, that was awesome. Yes. And like, it's just so funny how tiny he is. But I guess he fits in perfectly with his already vertically challenged little family. So uh, it's perfect. He's like part of our family now. But Bron, he is a smart dog. He's smart. So I started teaching him some tricks. Anybody out there teach your dog tricks? Oh yeah, maybe, maybe your dog can sit or roll over or spin around or jump or fetch. But me and Bron have this awesome trick. It's like my favorite trick ever. And here's what it is. I'll look at him and I'll say, Bron, who passed gas? Who passed gas, Bron? <laughs> Some of y'all think I'm super unspiritual right now because I teach my dog this stuff. But it's awesome. I love it. I'll say, who passed gas, Bron? And it's the coolest thing because he'll take his tiny little arm and just throw one paw as high up in the air as he possibly can. Like he's saying, I did. <laughs> I passed gas. That was me. <laughs> I love it. And every time I'm like, gross, Bron. That's nasty. Get out of here. You know, and it's, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> You know what the, be the best part, though? The best part about this trick is now when I blame the dog, he admits to it. Come on. He doesn't, babe, that was not me. That was Bron. And he's like, it was me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, but you know what I've noticed about Bron? I've noticed the only time I can ever get him to do this trick is when I have a treat in my hand. I've tried and I've tried to get him to do this trick when I don't have a treat and he will never, ever do it. And every time I think, come on, Braun, the only time you listen to me is when I can give you something. Man, and in that moment, I felt like God was speaking to me, saying, RJ, that's our relationship. See, RJ, you'll raise your hand to me and you'll pray to me, and you'll praise me, but not necessarily because you want me. It's because of what you think I might give you. And it's so true. So many times I put my faith in God's activity, in what he can do for me, not in who he is, not in his identity. I think many times in life we want a resurrection. We don't necessarily want the resurrection, even though that's who Jesus is. It's who he is. So I'm desperately trying to get to this point in my life. Desperately trying to get there to where even if God doesn't give me one single thing, that I still owe him everything. Get to the point to where I want him more than I want my dreams, my goals, my ambitions. I want to be like Martha. I want to put my faith in his identity, not just his activity. And I, I want to quickly summarize the end of this story because there's such a powerful ending. And I want you to see how this ends. Jesus shows up to the scene and he says, roll away the stone. And at this point, everybody's like, Jesus, it's nasty. It's gross. He's been dead four days. He stinks. Ew, no. And you know what this shows me? This shows me that even in this moment, nobody was expecting a miracle. 
But this is what God does. Sometimes when you least expect it, your situation seems hopeless. God wants to come and do something miraculous. Man, that's for somebody today. (laughs) So they do. They roll away the stone. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And in my mind, I begin to imagine death itself working backwards. I imagine a heart all of a sudden start pumping. As blood starts flowing throughout the body, as nerves are connecting, as skin all of a sudden starts coming together again, as his muscles are growing bigger, and his chest starts expanding, as his lungs are filled with oxygen, because this man who seconds ago was hopelessly dead is miraculously brought back to life because he had a first-hand encounter with the resurrection and the life. Amen. And I want you to see today that this is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does. He takes the worst thing imaginable, like your greatest pain and your biggest shattered dream, and he can breathe life back into the most hopeless situation. It's who he is. It's what he does. The greatest example of this is Jesus himself dying on the cross so you and I can have eternal life. See, he can turn around the worst situation, the worst situation, and bring it about for his good. See, I want you to see today, Mary and Martha, their plan, it wasn't bad, but Jesus' plan was better. It was so much better, and I want you to see why it was so much better. So we're going to go to John chapter 12, 17 and 18. I want to show you why Jesus' plan was so much better. It says this, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him that day, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Wow. I want you to get this. Because of a shattered dream, lives were changed. Because of a shattered dream, people came to Jesus. Because of a shattered dream, an entire region would never be the same. And that's the power of a dead dream. That's the power of a dead dream. See, there's power in our dead dreams because we have Jesus, and he is the resurrection and the life. And so maybe you're here today. Maybe you're facing a broken dream, and you're wondering, what now? Remember, our circumstances, they may affect us, but our response defines us. With Jesus, there's hope. There's hope, and I believe today he's going to resurrect some new dreams in your life. Maybe you're here today, you've not, you've not had that perfect marriage that you've always dreamed of, but I believe today you can have a restored marriage with more love than it's ever had before. Or maybe you're here today and your kids aren't following Christ, but I believe that when they come back to Jesus, they're going to be more set apart for him and more dedicated to him than they ever could have been before, and they're going to have a testimony that reaches so many people around them. So many people. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're 30 and single, wondering if you're ever going to find someone, but because you've been faithful, trusted in God, and waited, he's going to bring around just the right person at just the right moment. Or maybe you're here today, and you just got fired, and and you're wondering, what in the world is going on? Maybe Jesus is just positioning you exactly where you need to be for one of the greatest comebacks ever. Because he has a way of turning our greatest test into our most powerful testimony because he is the resurrection and the life and that's that with him there is power in our dead dreams 